Today we're going to be looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and a lot of us, we come into today, we come in through life and there's different hardships, there's different obstacles, there's different roadblocks that come at us. And yet oftentimes, as I was reflecting this past week, I was overwhelmed by just how good God's been to us. I started thinking about the most difficult times that I've had in my life and that we've had in our family and even in our church. And every single one of those times is the times where the Lord drew the closest to me. Aren't you grateful that God draws near to the brokenhearted? Jesus says, right, we we see right in, in, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. God draws near to us. And so today we're going to look at, at the Apostle Paul. We're going to look at a little bit of his life and the things that he went through. And, and Paul was a man who he had, had great accomplishments. He had done everything that you could possibly think of. And yet he considered it all lost compared to knowing Jesus Christ. I wonder here today, what are the things that we are putting in front of having that deeper community and relationship with Christ? I know Paul is dealing with people in this passage. He's dealing with these Judaizers that they were going around. They were calling themselves super prophets or super apostles. And they were going and bragging about all the righteous things that they had done, all the things that they had accomplished. And they were looking at Paul and and saying, listen, you aren't educated like us. How many of us, when we get put down or someone belittles us, we just want to get back at them right away? In my flesh, there's a lot of words that come to my mind, and then God's like, mm, you can't say that, right? And, and, and these words come out like, I forgive you, and I'm like, oh, that's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. And, and so Paul is, is in this situation, and he's at this crossroads and this path where people are coming up against him, and, and if he was to belittle those that were standing up against him, he would have been justified. In fact, he goes on in, in the earlier verses that we're not going to look at in this passage today to talk about some experiences that he had that God gave him that would have given him power and authority over these people. But Paul did not seek his own glory. He sought God's. And so sometimes the troubles we face are our own doing. Sometimes we live with the past regrets and mistakes that we've done and we think, God, how can you possibly use me? There's many times where I wake up and I feel that, but, but Paul, we're going to see throughout the scripture today, is going to say, listen, it's not about me, it's about Jesus Christ. Hope Church, if, if we're about ourselves, then we are missing out. Some of us, our regrets cause us to be paralyzed and to stop being who Christ has called us to be. The Apostle Paul was a man who was accustomed to persecution. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, as as, uh, Ananias is being told by God to go and speak to Paul, Paul was a man who had killed and persecuted Christians, done unspeakable things in the past. And God tells Ananias, you must go to Paul because uh, he must learn to suffer for my name. He's going to suffer many things for my name's sake. If many of you, if that was your your, um, guiding statement in life, God said, hey, you're going to suffer a whole lot. How many of you would, would be like, sign me up for that, right? But as I look back on my own life and I look back at the things that we've been through as a family and as a church, you know what? 
I wouldn't trade my, I wouldn't trade my relationship with Christ for anyone's. Because the Lord has drawn near to me during those times. And the Lord has drawn near to Paul. And, and, and so we, we see this thing. And so we start off today's message by Paul dealing with these false prophets. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, right before our passage we're going to jump in today, Paul says this, I do not think that I am the least inferior to these super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? Paul is dealing with these people coming against him, but instead of rallying off and going against him, he's going to continue to point people back to Christ. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3, we see that Paul runs into the resurrected Christ, that that Christ appears to him on the road. How many of you can say that Jesus Christ appeared to you in flesh? I don't think there's anyone here that can say that. But Paul had this experience, yet he didn't go on to boast about all the things that he had done. Or in Ephesians chapter 3, we see that God gave him divine truth. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 12, earlier he has this experience where God gives him a glimpse of heaven, yet he doesn't even talk about himself in first person. He talks about himself in third person. Why? Because he's saying, I don't, I'm not the point. Jesus Christ is the point. And so let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today. We're going to start in verse 5b. And Paul's rebuttal here. Um, that he isn't as educated them or that he isn't as holy as them really doesn't matter because you would think that Paul would, would want to state all these things I just mentioned, but instead we're going to see Paul takes a different approach. Verse 5b, it says, But I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I say or what I do. I think about these words of Paul, and I think back to the NBA Finals a few years ago. It'd be like uh, LeBron James' uh, post-game message, right? And he was down, down three games, and they said, Hey, are you nervous? And he said, no, I'm the greatest player in the world, right? There's not a whole lot of humility going on there, but it'd be like if Draymond Green was speaking stuff to him and talking about, oh, the Cavs are terrible, and LeBron goes, you're right, we're really bad, right? Like, you never hear him say that, even though he didn't make the playoffs, the greatest team ever, right? But, But Paul starts here by sharing his weakness, Paul is well aware of his position authority that God gave him, but he's not lording it over people. He mentions that he would not be a fool uh, for bragging because he was speaking the truth, but he refrains himself. Friends, when we get tempted to brag about our righteousness or the things that we've done or how God used us, we need to think about the Apostle Paul here. It said he refrained himself. And this, it's that relying on the Holy Spirit saying, God, I need you. I need you to help pride not get in the way. And so why? Because he didn't want people to think more of himself than they should. Um, there's uh, times when 
when him and the apostles, they're going through the towns and, 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 and remember with Peter, they start worshiping Peter and, and Peter says, hey, stand up. I'm not the one that's to be worshiped, right? You might have been in a situation in your work environment, in your family environment, but people look to you and are we pointing them to just how many good things we do or are we pointing them back to, hey, here's my perfect savior, Here's who Jesus Christ is. Because at the end of the day, no one's going to get to heaven because they knew Dan Kenyon. They're only going to get to heaven because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Paul realizes that for him and believers, it isn't about him and us, but it is about the name of Christ. So what do we gain by boasting? <laughs> The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I'm, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. There is nothing that Paul is going to gain by boasting in his strength, boasting in his accomplishments. Now, from a worldly perspective, you would think it would give you status, it would give you position. Some of you may be in work environments where it's hostile and there's this backbiting and you're trying to work your way up. One of the verses that has helped me out tremendously in my life over the past few years is Exodus 14, 14. And it says, you only need to remain still. I will fight your battles for you. Guys, that verse changed my whole perspective on things. Because God was saying, listen, I'm the one that fights your battles. I'm the one that goes before you. The apostle Paul knew this. And so... He knew that there's nothing to be gained. Proverbs 27.2 says this, Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Paul didn't seek his own glory. And God calls us to serve in faithfulness. And God will raise you up at the point in time. Unless you humble yourself and give them over to Christ, we can never feel the lasting peace that he gives us. And so we continue on to verse 7b. And Paul continues this. He says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. So it wasn't easy for Paul to not be conceited, right? I mean, he, I'm sure there's times where pride creeped in. He thought, man, I'm doing pretty good. How many of you have ever thought, man, at least I'm not as bad as the person next to me, Right? Some of you guys are sitting next to your spouse that's going, yeah, that's true, right? Um, but, but Paul was given this thorn in the flesh, and it's interesting here that, that he says it was to keep him cons- uh, from being seated. And so it says, a messenger of Satan a tor- uh, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And so humility wasn't something that maybe just came easy or natural to him, but pride can easily slip in and out of our lives without us even knowing it. I, I love um, the prayer we see Peter give where he says, Lord, Make me, don't, don't make me so poor that I steal bread, but Lord, don't make me so rich that I forget about you. Now, I have, I've never experienced the second part yet, but, but in, in our lives, when things start going well for us, we can oftentimes focus on ourselves, focus on the things that we're doing right, instead of saying, God, I need you. And there's power when we, when we ask Christ for his help and strength. And so Apostle Paul knew that. And so three times Paul pleaded, and called out to God for this to be taken away. 
So first point with this is Paul saw a purpose in his suffering. Friends, I don't know what you're going through in your life today. But can I encourage you just to ask the Lord if you're going through something, say, God, I don't understand this. You don't have to like it. There's things I ask my kids to do where they don't like it, right? They don't understand why they have to put their clothes away, right? Why they have to, to put their toys away. But, but there's things that God brings us through and storms he brings us through and trials that I say, God, I don't know why you're allowing me to go through this. And one of the things that broke my heart this week is Nehemiah came home and said, Dad, I was trying to share Jesus with my friend from school. And he told me, Jesus is kind to you and your family, but he's not kind to mine. See, this little boy doesn't have a relationship with his dad. He's going for all these hardships. And Nehemiah goes, Dad, how, Dad, what do I tell him? And I said, Nehemiah, have you been through hard things in your life? He goes, yeah, Dad, it was really scary when Ellie was in the hospital, or it was really hard when, when this happened. And I said, you know, was Jesus there with you? He said, well, yeah, dad. See, just because things don't go wrong does not mean that Jesus is not there with us. In fact, those are the times that he draws closest to us. So Paul sees a purpose in his suffering, and for him it's to mold him so he wouldn't be conceited and that he would continue to give God the praise. Now, Paul was given this thorn in his flesh, and we don't know for sure if it was physical illness or opposition or, or sin or past mistakes. We see in Galatians chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 6, he mentions his eyesight twice. And so some people think that this was an eye problem he has. Other people think that it was living back on his past regrets. And I think it's vague for a reason. The reason why it's vague is because the substance of the thorn does not matter. The outcome does. So for you and I, it, it's different. For, for, for you, it might be your, your kids aren't where they need to be with the Lord right now. And you're saying, God, I don't know why this is happening. For another person, it might be the fact that they've lost a job or there's hardship or, or there's just hurt going on. And God's saying, listen, I have you exactly where I want you to be because I want you to represent Christ in this. I was talking to a friend just yesterday and, and, and talking through and praying with him. And he was explaining this hardship that he was having with his work. And it was just hard to go. It was hard to be around these people that hated Christ. And I got to encourage him, maybe God has you there so that Someone will see the way you handle it when you're mistreated. So we don't know why God has us where he is at times or in these trials, but it's conforming us more into his image. And notice Paul, though he asked God to remove it three times, it's not like Paul said, yes, I get to suffer. This is great. No, Paul pleaded, God, would you please take this away? But Jesus in the garden said the same thing. He said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And he knew what he had to do, and he went to that cross for you and I. See, Paul wasn't looking at another person as the example. He was looking at Jesus Christ, the offer and perfecter of all things. So maybe you can relate to Paul here, and we don't know whether it was physical, spiritual, or mental, or maybe dealing with difficult people as he was. But Paul saw purpose in his suffering, and that purpose was his life would point others to Jesus. And just because it was good for him did not mean that he enjoyed it. You know, I asked my mom years ago, Mom, if you could go back and get rid of all the hardships we've went through in this life, 
would you do it? She said, no, because it opened up opportunities for me to minister to people that I never could before. You know, when, when my daughter was at the hospital, people came who, who, who they, had, they, had, they had lost a child and they came because they knew the pain of having a child in the hospital. That ministered to my soul. Maybe the hardship that you're going through is one that God wants to use to reach someone else. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 or 7 says this. It says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in, uh, in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. We're to give our cares over to God. We're to say, God, I need you. The other passage that we see is James chapter 1, and he considers it, he says this, he says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let the perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, Paul may have not had the um, vernacular of some of these false prophets. And he says, hey, you're right. I may not be as eloquent speaker as you. Uh, some of his school was school of hard knocks, right? I mean, he, 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 he was beaten. He, he went through this real reality. He had this, this transformation of his life. And I love it when people come to know Christ as adult because they want to tell everyone they can about it. They're like, Jesus changed my life. Here's where I was and here's where I am now. And so Paul had this experience. And so all these trials that he's going through, they're molding him more like you. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we still growing? Are we still becoming more like Christ? If we're not, I encourage us to challenge our hearts, say, Lord, Lord, whatever it is, would you make me more like you? But the truth is, maybe you feel like this next picture, you feel like this tree that's being blown all over, and the leaves and branches are being blown off, and God is saying, listen, you're in the middle of this storm, and you feel like you can't bear it, and you're right. One of the things that one of the sayings that just drives me absolutely crazy is when people say, the Lord won't give you more than you can handle. Um, part of that is because it's just not theologically correct. <laughs> that comes from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where, where Paul's telling him that there's no temptation that has overcome you. <laughs> That uh, accept what is common to mankind, and God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But that's talking about being tempted. It's talking about that there's no sin that God won't help you out of. But life situations, sometimes we can't do it physically and mentally on our own. But Jesus can. God won't give you more than he can handle. It's all to refine us. And so Paul comes to these last two verses, starting in verse 9. And he says this, but he said to me, Paul, I'm not going to take away your thorn. I'm not going to take away your hardships. I'm not going to take away these trials. But he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You want God to use you? That can't happen unless you say, God, I know I bring nothing to the table on my own. 
And that's where the Lord starts to work. And so Paul continues, he says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, what Paul's saying is, guess what? I don't care about anything in this world, but if I feel the presence of the living God resting on me, oh man, there's nothing better. If you've experienced that in your life, you know that you wouldn't trade that for anything. I've, I've gotten to do a lot of music over the years, and when I keep coming back to it, there's nothing that just brings me more joy than worshiping God and hearing his people sing praises and giving back to God what he's given me already. And so Paul says, hey, I'm going to boast in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I love that song, Give Me Jesus. I love the line that says, you could take all this world. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. In verse 10, he continues on and says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's not saying, hey, I love all these things. Paul's saying, but if it brings me closer to Jesus, if it makes me more like him, if it makes our church more like him, if it makes our families more like him, if it allows God's presence to rest here, then God, bring it on. And so as Paul goes through, we think about that verse that, that we talked about earlier. Jesus wept. Jesus can reach into the depths of our soul and life and he can comfort us like no one else can when you think there's unspeakable hurt because Christ is able to. See, what Paul was asking for was a substitution. He wanted God to take his pain and give him peace. But what God was saying is, no, Paul, I want to give you transformation. And this transformation is going to be way more powerful than any, any substitution I can give you. And so Warren Wearsby, it's, a, it's appropriate that God uh, led me to this quote. Warren Wearsby was a commentator who served the Lord his whole life. He was called the pastor's pastor. And he actually passed away this week. And I actually found this quote and put it in the message before I found out that he had passed away. And here's what he said. He said, in the Christian life, we get many of our blessings through transformation, not substitution. When Paul prayed three times for the removal of his pain, he was asking God for substitution. Give me health instead of sickness, deliverance instead of pain and weakness. Sometimes God does meet the need by substitution. and God does heal. God does deliver us from different trials. But yet other times he meets us through transformation. He does not remove the affliction, but he gives us his grace so that the affliction works for us, not against us. It's funny as I'm preparing this this week, how there's things I'm going through and I just think, you know, God, hey, you need to go, you need to, you need to remove these obstacles. And then God reminded me, hey, listen, do you, do you see what you're preparing this week? <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to grow you through this. Maybe I'm trying to make you humble. Maybe it's, it's not that, that your ministry and the things you do isn't about you, it's about me. So if people, people are struggling with you, it's not about you, it's about me. 
And so for, um, I did go watch the Avengers movies before this next clip so that people wouldn't ruin it for me today. Don't spoil it. It's not fun for anyone. But, um, but if you go to the next slide, what Paul realizes is that before Christ, he's simply Steve Rogers, right? He, he doesn't have any strength. He, he joins the military. Uh, if, this is, if you haven't seen Captain America, all right? Uh, the story is he goes in, uh, this, this weak uh, little man, and he gets this serum that gives him this power. Well, Paul realizes that all the good that he can do on his own, he's really just like Steve Rogers, but when he says, Jesus, I want your strength. I want your power to rest on me. Something changes in his life. Something transforms him. That's why he can speak boldly, even though he knows he's going to be stoned. That's why in a jail cell, he can pen some of his most pivotal scriptures, because he knows that Christ is near to him. Friends, which Christian are we living like today? <laughs> are we living a Steve Rogers type of life where we're trying to do it on our own, are we living the empowered life where the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us and we say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. So while Satan's message was discouragement, Christ's message to Paul was grace. Maybe may that be true of you today is that when the world is bringing you discouragement, God's saying, listen, I want to give you grace today. Christ's grace towards Paul made him boast in his weakness all the more. One of the things that helps is when the world sees that we're not these superhuman beings like the false prophets were going around and doing in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, but instead we're saying, hey, listen, we're fallen, broken people who have found a perfect Savior. There's no perfect marriages. There's only a perfect Savior. There's no perfect children. There's only a perfect Savior. And so as we keep going through this, it also shows us to show more grace to one another and Paul would rather have Jesus' strength than his own. And so closing thoughts today. Whose glory do you seek? And it's something that we don't, I don't think you would wake up in the morning saying, you know, I'm really going to seek to push myself ahead and, and have my own glory. I just, I can't wait to pe have people tell me how wonderful I am, right? I, usually that doesn't happen when I hop out of bed. I don't walk up to my wife and she goes, you're just so wonderful. Um, you know, if you can encourage her to do that, I just, I haven't experienced that yet. Um, but if we're seeking Christ, it doesn't really matter. We're seeking to glorify him. Second, will you allow God to use your weakness for his glory? You might have a testimony in your life of a hardship or struggle that you've been through that God's saying, listen, there's someone else out there that's hurting that God can use the transformation that Christ has done in your life to help them out. I pray that that would be true of each one of us. And whose strength are we relying on for these trials? I want to encourage you um, you know, a lot of athletes use Philippians 4.13, right? They don't know the whole context, and they write, you know, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, Paul's talking about going through sufferings and getting beaten and all these hardships and all these things he's going through, but he say, hey, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. W would you think about that verse this week? My wife likes to write verses on our, our mirror, and it drives me crazy because then I can't see, and so I'm trying to wipe them off. But, but uh, not wiping off scripture, but, you know, cleaning off the mirror. <laughs> but whose strength are you relying on? 
And lastly, will you allow his grace to meet you where you are today? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, Apostle Paul says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Now this is some, one time where Paul's saying, you got to listen to this. This deserves full acceptance. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I'm here to say that I'm right with the Apostle Paul saying I'm a chief sinner, but Jesus Christ has changed my life. And he's continuing to transform me. Church, I want to encourage you. If you're going for something, turn to another brother or sister. Say, hey, I need prayer. One of the biggest lies the enemy puts on us is the fact that we can't share our struggles. And he, he tells us, you know what? Man, you're weird. <laughs> like, no one else goes through this. If we did a survey where we wrote out all the sins that we're struggling with, it's not going to be all the same. But we're going to say, oh, hey, there's other people who are going through the same thing too. We also wouldn't associate with one another if we did that. But, but, but here's the thing. The Christian life isn't meant to live alone. Cling to the cross. Cling to Jesus. And boast in our weakness, not in a way that's, that's exalting sin, but that's exalting Jesus Christ. And let us be transformed more into his image. Lord Jesus, I pray here today for those in this room who are struggling. God, I pray that there might be someone in this room who doesn't have that relationship with you, Lord, that they've never given their hearts to you. Lord, I pray that in this very minute, in this very hour, that you would touch their hearts and that they would say, Lord, I'm weak. I can't do this on my own. But Jesus, I believe in you and I want to give you my life. And Lord, would you meet them and show them grace where they're at. Lord, for my brother and sister who they're just struggling with life, Lord, maybe there's this thing they've been praying for and praying and praying and they feel like you're not answering. God, the apostle Paul prayed three times for this foreign to be removed. And it didn't. But Lord, you said, my grace is sufficient for you. Lord, I pray that those words would rest on us and our hearts today. In your precious and holy name, amen.